Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Women Offshore Podcast. This is Ali Cedeno and Christine McMillan. We are both experienced seafarers. And at Women Offshore, we are making waves. The Women Offshore Foundation propels women plus into meaningful careers through access to a worldwide community and professional development resources while raising awareness amongst industry leaders and decision makers about issues affecting women on the water. This podcast is an integral part of our mission, and we appreciate you listening in. New episodes of the Women Offshore podcasts are available every Tuesday. Subscribe on whatever platform you like to listen to podcasts on and be in the know about the latest topics related to diversity, equity, and inclusion within the maritime and offshore industries. Thanks for tuning in. We have another great episode for you today. This episode contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. We advise listener and reader discretion. In this episode, Miriam and I talk about stories related to sexual assault and harassment. We do our best to hold these topics with intention and sincerity, and we hope that you'll listen in only when you feel ready and able. Check the show notes for support resources, and please take care of yourself. Today with me, I have Miriam Anthony. I'm so excited to have this conversation with her. Miriam, welcome. Thank you, Christine. Happy to be here. Yes. So please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background. I've been sailing since 2008. I graduated from Cal Maritime, and my first ship was, I was actually sailing as a QMED, and then after that, I was always all deck side. I sail for MMP mostly. I also do research vessels and I've taken some odd jobs here and there on tugboats. So I try to kind of try everything. I never really saw myself as a one ship kind of person. I always thought I would just try different vessels and maybe eventually find something I loved. And and I did. I, I think research vessels are probably my favorite. I just love like geeking out on all the science stuff. And then recently, my last ship was about a year ago. It was last summer. And now I'm focusing on mental health. And so I just finished my master's in clinical psychology. And as you and I both know, sailors are all cuckoo magoo. And there's just not enough resources out there for them. And I was kind of the therapist on the ship. Sometimes people would want to come talk to me about what was going on. And I loved it. I really love talking to, I love, I think, I don't know. I, th- I feel like if you're on a ship with, with cool people and with good mates, that makes the trip, you know, I always feel like the more I get to know people, the more I like them. And so I really enjoyed that aspect. It was like getting to know the crew members and I was always on different ships. So I never go back to, I mean, once in a while I went to the same ship and with some of the same crew, but most of the time it was all different crew members every time. So it was really exciting and fun for me to kind of like meet new people all the time. So yeah, now trying to bring mental health to the forefront for mariners. And I don't know if I'll sail again. Maybe we'll see. I kind of miss the ocean. So it's possible that I'll end up back on a ship. But for now, I'm trying to set it up so that there's just, there's more mental health awareness and more resources for us. A little extra about me. Since I finished my master's degree in clinical psychology, I've been working with military veterans, specifically students with U.S. vets in their outside the wire program. And this population is near and dear to my heart because my brother is a Marine veteran and I always believe that this population is really underserved. I also worked on a few MSC vessels and got to work directly with the Navy and the Coast Guard. So I got to witness firsthand how mental health needs were really brushed aside a lot of the time. 
now working with veterans who are transitioning out of the military and find themselves in this unfamiliar civilian world, I'm seeing a lot of real similarities to the Merchant Marine. You know, for many mariners who are having a hard time finding connection either on their ships or shoreside, I feel this is an area we can really do better on. Feeling connected and finding support and and finding ourselves when we really need to. Also, that transition from ship to shore can can be really hard. Whether you're on land for 28 days between hitches or you're coming home for a much longer period, either to spend it with your family, to have a baby, take care of life stuff. It all just seems to kind of pile up when you're at sea sometime. And as, as mariners, we really face some, some unique challenges. Yeah, that's wonderful. And you've actually started a company, haven't you? Or you're trying to get it off the ground now? Yeah, yeah. So I'm working with MMP, um, the chairperson of the mental health committee. And it's given me a lot of really great exposure to to other organizations. And no one's doing it right now. So no one's providing mental health resources just to mariners. I just started Sailor to Sailor. Our website is not off the ground quite yet, but people can reach out to me if they're having trouble accessing like a therapist or mental health resources. And I can, if I can't do it for them myself because they're not in California, I can certainly help them find the resources that, that they're looking for. So Sailor to Sailor is, is what we're going for now. I also have another website that I'm also not launched yet, maritimetherapy.com. So a little more on the nose might be easier for people to find down the line. Yeah, that's wonderful. And this is really going to be a conversation that we're going to have today about bringing mental health of the mariner to the forefront of our conversation of what we struggle with and why and how can we make it better. And so I'm so glad that you're here. And so can you tell me a story of like your aha moment where you were like, oh, this is important and I need to take it seriously? Yeah. I mean, there's so many. So for me personally, I didn't realize that, you know, I was in trouble on a ship. I was I was going through a breakup and at this, I was on a ship. And at the same time, my dog was dying at home. And so I was looking at my mom and she was kind of walking me through like, oh, we're going to put him down. And I was already kind of in a crisis. And there was really nobody to talk to. It was really lonely. You know, even though you have your crew members and you you may to some extent have friends on the ship. You might even be able to call a friend, but no one really knows like what you're going through. And so that was really, that was a, that was a tough time. So I got off the ship and I got myself back together. <laughs> I put the pieces back together. And, and I was like, there needs to be more for mariners, you know? And you also see, you know, I don't know if there was an aha moment, but all of these crew members were coming up to me, like going through something. And then word kind of gets out like, oh, go talk to Miriam. Like she's a good listener, you know? Oh, wow. And I was like, man, like there really should be something like for, for, for people on the vessel. There was an aha moment at the conference. Masters Made Some Pilots had a conference a couple months ago in August. And I was on stage and I was talking about mental health and how important it was to, to like the leaders of the union. And after I got off stage, everybody kept coming up to me, wanting to talk about either mental health in general or something traumatic that happened to them. And it was as if people were just waiting for the conversation to begin. And then once it did, everyone was like, oh yeah, let me tell you about my trauma. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, we're ready for the conversation to start. And now that it's begun, I feel like it's, people are feeling more comfortable talking about it. Yeah, which is great because we kind of come from an industry that's stoic and they don't want to necessarily share their personal life and what their struggles are. 
Yeah, it's very it's pretty macho industry. So it's it's hard to kind of break those walls down or or make it, you know, they don't you don't want people to feel like they're gonna lose face if they if they share that they're struggling. I feel like we could talk about the mental health of the seafarer for for hours. <laughs> but I wanna talk about consent because you I heard you speak and this was a topic that you brought up and I was like, wow, we really don't talk about that enough. So it's something that we didn't grow up learning. And so let's start with defining consent. Sure. Yeah. I actually went online to find like a good definition for you because I could give you my definition, but I want to be more accurate and broad. So consent is like during sexual activity is everyone present agreeing willingly to everything that is happening as you go. So it has to be continuous just because I wanted to kiss you last night doesn't mean I want to kiss you this morning. Right. And so it has to be enthusiastic. It's got to be like an enthusiastic. Yes, this is something I'm into. And it looks like each person is of age, awake, sober and aware and feels like they're making their own choices. All people present feel like they have a sense of agency. They're not being pressured to do something they don't want to do. So each person would want to do all the activities and also actively participating. So it's going to be continuous and enthusiastic for sure. Those are like kind of the the key words there. Yeah. And so that like gives us a really good baseline of what it means to have a consensual relationship. And I think that, you know, we can obviously see this it's a conversation segueing into harassment and assault. And so, and obviously those are times when consent is not given or it was misunderstood. And so right now, Sash is in the spotlight of our industry and not all relationships are negative out at sea if consent is a part of it. And we don't talk about those a lot because we're trying to make sure that survivors feel supported in their stories of what happened to them in a traumatic situation. Do we just have a societal misunderstanding of what consent is and what it is not? Yeah, no, I think there absolutely is a societal misunderstanding. I think we don't teach kids about it. And it's easy to teach a kid about consent. You know, it's, do you want to hug from grandma? Okay, you don't have to hug grandma if you don't want to. Like it gives kids a sense of agency with limits. I mean, you don't want kids saying they don't consent to going to school, right? <laughs> you have to go to school, but yeah, no, it starts with teaching kids about it. And then eventually people will, you know, have a understanding of what it means, but they're doing trainings at college campuses. I think that's like a big, issue. You know, if you're able to go to college and get out without learning what consent is, you're going to go into your industry and bring those same ideas with you. And then that's what we've seen in our industry. You've seen a lot of people kind of assuming implied consent, you know, oh, she was looking at me this way, or he was looking at me that way. They're, they're into it. Or somebody said something about that person, but you're not getting the, you know, actual consent from the individual and also like continuing to verify with them that do we still feel this way? Is this still cool with you? Like, are you still into this? Do you feel like you're right. being forced to be here? And I don't know. I think consent is really sexy. Like, I think if, if a guy asked me like, Hey, can I kiss you? Or hey, like, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Like I feel like yeah. you're much more likely to get consent from someone if you're if you're asking for it if you're verifying if you're showing them respect and be like the the regard as another human being with agency not just assuming like i'm hot and they're they're hot and they're going to want this because it's happened before so every individual is different and and they they're allowed to change their mind too so yeah totally societal misunderstanding and it's it's not rocket science it really is pretty 
simple. I know I kind of gave a long explanation of what it is, but you're basically just verifying that the person is into the activity and wants to actively participate. Yeah. As far as SASH, I mean, setting boundaries is huge, you know, like understanding consent, so important. But also when you ask for consent or if you're verifying consent, be okay with what the answer is. If somebody sets a boundary and says, no, I don't know, that's going to have to be okay. You know, okay, cool. Like just making sure I'm not want to get sued or fired for harassment. I'm just checking. You know, the industry, I want to think the industry is getting better. I really do think they are. I think a lot of companies, a lot of unions, you know, even the Coast Guard, like everyone's kind of talking about it. There's been a movement. I think we're seeing a lot of movement towards like a respectful workplace and hopefully less harassment. I don't know how your experience sailing was. Mine was pretty, like I, I didn't have a whole lot of horror stories. I had really great experiences on ships. Not to say I didn't have to learn how to set boundaries with with my coworkers. A lot of times you're the only woman and people think weird things, whatever. And so you just got to get better at, at setting boundaries. And and I think that the industry is moving in like a positive direction. I think so too. And, and you're def- definitely right about understanding your own boundaries and having a lot of self-awareness of what it is that you do and don't want, and then being able to voice them. And that's also something that I don't think that we're taught as we're growing up is how to say it. And so mm-hmm. I, I think what you said about the difference in t- teaching a child to go give grandma a kiss, or do you want to go give grandma a kiss or just a high five, but you have to acknowledge her some way, you know, and like understanding that there has to be that child needs to understand that their body's theirs and that they can stand up for it and they don't have to let people touch them if they don't want to. And then we'd have to like continue that frame of thought into our careers, unfortunately, of letting people know what, what our boundaries are. Could you tell the future Mariners what your advice is for them of of how to go out there and do this? Yeah. Future Mariners, have fun. And I don't know. I've You can set boundaries in all kinds of ways. You can be really direct with people. You can say, hey, that's not okay. Or I didn't consent to that. I like to use humor a lot for a lot of reasons. One, you don't, you're not being, you know, aggressive. You're not being scary. You're also not kind of harassing them back, you know? So I find that humor is really helpful and I don't like to escalate things if they don't need to be escalated. Because a lot of these like harassment things will start with something really microscopic. They'll start with like microaggressions or they'll start with somebody just kind of throwing something out there just to see how what your reaction is. And if your reaction is definitive, then, oh, okay, that's where her boundary is, right? I had something really wild happen to me. I had a, this is kind of a funny story. I was on a ship and I asked for a blanket from the SA because my room was freezing. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll bring one to your room. And I was second mate at the time. So I went back to bed after breakfast. He came into my room with a blanket. Like I I heard a knock and I was like, I think I heard a knock and I didn't have my door locked. He, he came in and he walked across the room and I'm watching him walk across the room. And I'm like, okay, he's going to put the blanket down at some point. He splayed the blanket out over me and tucked me in. <laughs> <laughs> on the whole time, I was I was laughing because I was like, "This isn't happening right now." It was the most right, like I just did, like an awkward laugh. No, it was super. It was super, and he was nice. He didn't try anything to do anything besides what he besides took me in. But it was, it was so. I was I was laughing. I was like, "Okay, this is like really inappropriate," and I didn't know what to do. I was like trying to think, like I don't want to report him because he didn't do anything 
really, it, it didn't seem reportable to me. Like he did bring me a blanket, which I asked for. So I, I approached him, I approached him alone, you know, and I pulled him aside and I was like, you know, that was really unusual that, that you did that and probably inappropriate. And I'm kind of laughing when I'm telling him, but I'm also letting him know, like, this is my, like, these are their boundaries. Like I was like, next time, just leave it by the door. It's totally fine. You know? And I could tell he was really embarrassed. I honestly don't even know what he was thinking. I think he may have, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking, but, but he got the point, you know, and I've had a couple other situations, not, not like that. That was a one-time thing. That was pretty, that just came to mind right now too, talking about that. I wasn't even planning on telling that story, but I've had other, you know, like chief mates and captains kind of, I feel like posture themselves to make, to belittle me. That's happened before. And mm. so I've found ways to approach them alone. I always pull people aside when I talk to them. Again, like I'm, I'm not the kind of, I'm personally, I'm not the kind of person that likes to report things unless it's like, all right, I've tried doing this myself and it's not something that I can handle. But I have found that approaching them alone and saying, hey, like this really bothered me and I don't want to escalate it. I know you don't want to escalate it. So let's just put the kibosh on it. And that has worked 100% of the time for me. Wow. Yeah, I, I guess for, sorry, that was a long answer for an easier question. But for, for young mariners, I would say, you know, you don't have to put up with treatment that, you know, you know is inappropriate. There's always a way to, there should be a way to approach people. I like directly because I like to just handle things and then move on. And, and, and then it's usually like our relationship actually improves you know, and, and then you get to stay on the ship and then no one, no, no one's the wiser. Now, if it's continuous harassment or if it's continuous, like misbehavior by another crew member, then send it up the chain, you know, and, and, and get the person off. If it's, you know, if it's really making your life miserable, I don't think you should have to stay on a ship with somebody who's, you know, making your life really uncomfortable or who's harassing you. And balance. I mean, if over in general, like advice for new young mariners, like have some life balance when you're when you're on the ship, try to stay connected to your support system mm. and and try to have some balance and definitely get enough sleep. And I don't know, have good boundaries. I know it's hard. It's easier said than done, but but it's possible to do. And I've met so many people, so many mariners who have really balanced lives and they're really happy. And it can be really hard when you're, when you're first starting out, it feels like, oh, it's impossible to, to have balance, but it's not, it's, it really is possible. Don't work too much. I guess that's my other advice. (laughs) Work hard when you're on the ship. You know, I always try like the first couple of weeks on the ship, just hit it really hard and try and kick as much ass as possible. And you make a really good first impression on your crew. And then after a couple of weeks of kicking ass and taking names, you can kind of let your freak flag fly and, you know, like be a little more relaxed, <laughs> I think, on the ship. But that first impression is really important, you know, show up early yeah. and be one of the harder workers. And I don't know if you can really be a team member, but I think it's important to to remember that you have, you know, you should be able to to team up with other crew members. You don't have to do everything alone, you know, and, and I don't know, that's kind of something that, I'd like to see more of in the industry is people kind of supporting each other more that those, those ships are always wonderful when you get on a ship and people gel well and they're supportive of other crew members and they want to, you know, just get the job done in like the easiest way. It doesn't have to, you know, sometimes you have heroes who just want to do everything. And 
I don't know, don't be a hero, just but be a good team member, you know? Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I always like to tell cadets to finish their tour strong, mm-hmm. to get out there and kick ass for those first couple of weeks and get into a rhythm. And then like make sure that you're leaving the vessel on a really good note, like have all of your loose ends tied up and all of your projects completed. And that way you leave you leave the ship and everyone has nice things to say about you. <laughs> that was always my advice. Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. And I love that. Yeah. Definitely start strong and finish strong for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I love what you have for the for young mariners. And I think it's great that we're trying to just make their life easier because we've been there. We've seen it. We've had to learn a couple lessons the hard way. And we want to make sure that that you have the best foot forward going out there. And I know for me, Miriam, I really struggle with confronting people one-on-one, face-to-face, pulling someone aside Mm -hmm. and telling them how I feel. Because I think, oh, the situation's over. They don't really care. It's really not that big a deal. You know, I tell myself all these things. So can you, how do I help myself with that? Even in today's world, I still struggle with that. Yeah. Confrontation is scary. My voice gets shaky. You know, I, I oh, definitely, yes. yeah, it's, it's normal to, to feel that way. Okay. Deep breaths and then definitely have the person like pull them aside. Don't do it in front of anybody else. Have them pull yeah. them aside and take some deep breaths. And then you can even say, listen, this is actually really hard for me to say. And I'm struggling with it because I want to confront you about this, but I also want to continue to work with you. Like, I also want us to have a good working relationship, but like, I got to get this off my chest. You know, I mean, obviously like put in your own words, but I think it's okay if you show a little bit of vulnerability because then that person might feel like, oh, okay, like she's not here just like angrily confronting me. She's here as another human who is just struggling. And sometimes I ask them like, hey, can you help me with this? I'm having a lot of trouble understanding, you know, for for my thing. It was like, why are you berating me on the radio? And like, everyone can hear, Yeah, you know, like I'm trying to do my job and I'm I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. But like, I feel like it's kind of embarrassing when like everyone on the ship can hear that you're like kind of teasing me on the radio. And, you know, I don't think he even, in this, my chief mate, I don't even think he realized what he was doing. You know, I think it was right. subconscious stuff going on. I mean, I could probably do a whole study on him. <laughs> it was, it was, it was hard to do, but you don't have to like come hard and fast at somebody and be like, I'm going to tell the captain if you don't change your ways, you can totally be vulnerable with people and say, Hey, this is actually really hard for me, but I really want this to be sorted out. You know, and I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's how I would start. Yeah. I would start with that. I would start with like some deep breaths and some, and just be being like forward with people and straight, you know, and if, if you're not a confrontational person, you can say that. Be like, you know, I'm not a confrontational person. This isn't really something that I like wanted to do today when I woke up, but I'm, I'm, I'm really having trouble with this or that. Maybe you can help me. A lot of times, especially if it's a boss. You know, they love like feeling important. <laughs> They're like, oh, I'm the one that can help you. Okay. And then you give them an opportunity to be a good shipmate, which is essentially what you want anyway. You know, sometimes people just need an, an opportunity to be a good shipmate or to be a good human if it's something off the ship. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that because I've struggled so much. And I'm like, how do I address this without, you know, like you said, I, my voice gets all tight and mm-hmm. shaky. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, but I need to. And so now I have a toolbox. I can take with me with your advice. So thank you. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I should, I should do like a whole like seminar on like easier confrontations or like ways to, <laughs> ways to stand up for yourself and set boundaries that aren't, that aren't confrontational. You know, yeah. maybe there's ways to kind of communicate what your, where your boundaries are without being confrontational. Sometimes you just need to kind of get it out there though. Yeah. You know, I love using safety meetings to talk about things, even though People will know you're talking about them. Like if you bring something up in a safety meeting, like, oh, you know, somebody was yelling in the hallway, woke me up instead of confronting the person directly. Like they might know who they are, but if you bring it up in the meeting, like you're not being confrontational. I know everybody knows not to yell in the hallway, you know, so. Right. That's great. So Miriam, if people want to reach out to you, how can they find you? Sure. Yeah. I'm on Instagram, sailor to sailor. I am also, I'm reachable on Gmail. So sailor to sailor 988 at gmail.com. And 988, I don't know if people are interested. It's also the, it's, a, it's the new suicide hotline. So if you're, if anybody is feeling suicidal or if they have a friend who is 988, it's like 911 basically, but 988 for that. So sailor to sailor 988 at gmail.com. Okay. And that's like a 24 hour hotline, right? That we can call anytime. 988 is, yeah. Just like 911. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. They just launched it. I want to say like two months ago. So it's the, yeah, it's a nice new resource for people easier than, I think there was an actual like phone number before. So 988 is funny. There was. Yeah. And I think that they, that was really smart of them to reduce it to a three, three digit number. So I will make sure that we put your contact information where people can find it because I think that you're an amazing resource. You have a, a great education. You have a Mariner's background of lived, the lived experience of a Mariner. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the women offshore community? Yeah. So I don't know. I think almost every company has an employee assistance program. And if not, then you're, if you have a union, your union might have one. And a lot of people don't even know those resources are there. So if you call an, an EAP, they will have somebody on the line that can talk to you. And I think my, our EAP gives like three free therapy sessions, something like that. So people don't know that those resources are there. I mean, insurance companies, there's a lot of like free therapy out there. I don't know how good it is. I can't make promises, but it's out there. So your insurance probably covers it if the EAP isn't there. And when you're on the ship, you know, reach out, reach out to your company or reach out to me and I can (laughs) try and connect you with something because sometimes you don't want people on the ship to know you know, you want to kind of be like, oh, I've got like going through something, reach out to me and I can help you try to find some resources that will be available to you. Even if your internet's crap, you know, we can figure something out. Yeah, that's perfect. We have a lot more availability now. I think that it's one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that telehealth has become much more accessible to us. And I was telling the story that I was trying to find a therapist when I was going to see and they were just like, sorry, I don't offer telehealth. You have to come into the office. And I was like, then that's not an option for me. And they were just like, okay. And then it all fizzled out. And now that's not the case anymore. So if anyone is looking to talk to somebody, there are lots of resources and we're happy to help you connect to them and find the right one for you. So Miriam, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's been amazing to chat with you. Thank you, Christine. Yeah. And it's just fun to to talk about consent and boundaries and trying to have a better understanding of how we can support one another out at sea. And I love what you said about being a good team player out there and how we can all work better and smarter. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for all that you guys do too at Women Offshore. Connecting women is great. And And I love like the mentoring, you know, it's really, it's wonderful meeting so many women that are working offshore, like kicking ass and taking names. It's really inspiring. 
And yeah, I just want to keep it going. So maybe we'll get to talk again in a few months and I'll have more more for you. Yeah, no, I really look forward to that. We'll have to have a part two and catch back up. So thank you, Miriam. All right, sounds good, Christine. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. Come back next Tuesday for another new episode. If you want to propel women offshore forward, visit womenoffshore.shop. Make a donation or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there and we will talk to you soon.